0: From Kirkco Media.
1: Life done better. This podcast is produced for all the unicorns who strive to create a life on their own terms. Don't take life too seriously and are on a mission to make a positive impact in this world. In this show, we're getting real about daily struggles and obstacles and how to best navigate through difficult times and challenges in life so you can make better decisions for yourself and feel healthy, confident, and aligned. Feel less alone and more connected. We're in this together. From my heart to yours. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill De young and today I'm talking to Denny J. Denny Jay is an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, podcast host, and storyteller. As the former founder of the Sweaty Bettys, an online fitness community, Denny J. discovered the most effective method for capturing attention and increasing revenue, sharing personal and brand stories. Denny Jay now teaches innovative brands and influencers to close more sales, become better leaders. And blow up their brand with the irresistible power of sharing. She also helps thousands of families become financially free in her signature course, Master Your Money. I'm super interested to talk to Denny J about new beginnings and rebuilding yourself. You'll be amazed when you hear what Denny went through and how she rebuilt her life over and over again. Welcome to the show, Denny J.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always so funny to hear your bio. You're like, yeah, that's me. I feel like it always sounds better than it really you really are right? right
1: right well it's you know it's an accumulation of things that you do and you take the highlights right and then you're yeah. like yeah that's really truly why I invited you because you have so much to share and I'm sure you don't talk and think about it daily about how you rebuild yeah. and how I mean you know you know obviously you share stories daily but um sometimes we're just amazed when you look back and in retrospect like wow yeah that's a lot that's cool wow I learned that too I'm so excited to get into this because we chatted the
0: other day and we have so many similar background stories. So I am really pumped to see where this goes.
1: Oh, I know. Let's share the three things that we have in common. We both enjoy a career in the fitness industry. Two, we both lived in an RV and and I don't know many women that have lived in an RV, like not just for like a week, but you lived in an RV for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. I lived in an RV for two years. And so I think that's quite remarkable. And you really, truly enjoyed it, right? That's what you wanted to do.
0: Oh my gosh, I loved it. I was, after we got off, I was telling my
1: boyfriend, I'm like, she lived in
0: an RV too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I do want to like talk more about that, how we did that, why we chose to do that and what it meant in our lives. Yeah. And number three, we were both married for a decade. And our husband's cheated on us. Good topics for our new beginnings because we both like, have changed careers many times, a new partner, new financial situation. We have both had it all and lost it all and everywhere in between. And then, yeah, a lot of moving around. So I think we are queens of the new beginnings. And, um, yeah. and, and so during this time of quarantine, so what have you been up to and what have you lost and what have you gained during this time? Yeah, gosh, quarantine is so interesting. And you know, like I love all of those things:
0: living in the RV, starting over for marriage. I started to just joke that maybe that's my whole path in life It's just to start over again. And um, it's interesting because the last couple of years I've been a speaker, and I've been living out of a suitcase for two years. I have not had any stable home. Um, I was in LA from right after my marriage ended, so from about mid 2016 to 2018. I ended up getting a speaking gig that kept me going three months and then another one kept me six months. And then suddenly I'm speaking and traveling a lot. And so it turns into, you know, three months turns into two years suddenly. And I was starting to really get um, restless of the travel. And I loved it. I mean, I will say, I feel like this is the one time in my life I could do it. You know, I was single. I didn't have anything holding me back. And at the same time, I was really missing having some kind of roots like friendships and you know, having things to look forward to, like maybe game night on Fridays with friends or something like that. Totally. And so early 2020, I really wanted to just stay in one place. I started dating someone. We kind of met where we were both traveling and hitting the same places at the same time, which was ironic. And I said, I just want to be in a place for a month. That's all I asked. It's one month. And so we got this Airbnb from March 1st to 31st. And I was going to have to leave for a speaking gig and come back. And I did actually have speaking gigs after that, April, May, And the irony was that they ended up getting canceled. We started quarantine and all of the speaking gigs that I had um, got cut off. So suddenly that's part of what i do for a living, that's part of my income. And that was, yeah, that was all taken away. So I did lose a big part of my business by not being able to travel and speak, but I saw a lot of people pivoting and taking their conferences online. So I was still able to do some online conferences and at the same time, help other people build some
1: courses and businesses. So this has been a nice like, time to ground and to grow and to educate yourself and to really rise yeah. to the next level. You know, I found myself saying yes
0: to almost everything. Saying yes to going to parties, events, networking, and getting distracted from my goals. And because I wasn't allowed to say yes to any networking parties and events, it made me focus on what I'm really trying to work
1: on. It's a really good time to reset. And what I really enjoyed you shared on social media was find the Find Your Money project. I was just laughing because I thought it was just so funny because like, yes, there's always resourceful ways to find money if it's like, you know, memberships that you cancel or, you know, so you, you, know, you don't actually spend more than you need to, or if you actually find money as in being resourceful to offering a service that you've never offered before. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people that are listening yeah. would love to have more income. They've lost income. They may yeah. have lost their jobs. Like, what are some like interesting and, and good ideas to start with? Yeah, so it's called Find the Money
0: Project. And I actually started this in 2015 because after the economy. Crashed in two thousand eight. It didn't really hit me until two, two thousand ten. And so my ex husband and I had a home. We ended up we were in Las Vegas, and the housing market really got hit there. We ended up foreclosing on our home, filing bankruptcy, moving in with some friends. I mean, I was like, I don't know how to make money now because I was a personal trainer, and when people are struggling, they are going to cut you know luxuries. Yeah. And so I wasn't get. I didn't have a lot of clients. Was losing money. And I was just so desperate. I was Googling like how to make money, how to win a car. I mean, I was online all day, just like crying, looking for jobs, applying for anything, feeling like nobody was hiring. And I really felt like the answer to all my money problems was just make more money. If I just made more or if the economy hadn't crashed, then I would be fine. And I realized very quickly that that was not true. And what happened after I started to learn these principles was I ended up paying off my student loans. I had $18,000 left in 69 days. And prior to that, I had been carrying this balance for seven years. When I paid that off in 69 days, we only had... My husband had a new job for a salary of 35000 a year. So it wasn't like we just came into a ton of money. It was I learned how to use the money that I had and shift my perspective and be resourceful. And people always think that we're, it's lack of resources, that we just need more money. We need more people to know. We need something. And it's not lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. And I realized that there were a lot of things right in front of my face that I could have been doing that I wasn't doing and I was overlooking. And so some of those small things, I have people go through Find the Money Project and it's a seven-day challenge. And most people who do that challenge find an average of $1,800 to $2,200. Ugh, that's incredible. Sometimes I have people come to me and go, Danny, this is great, but I just need to make more. And I'm like, if you can't do these small things, the big things aren't going to come. And so ultimately, the principle is being faithful with what you have. And if you are making $2,000 a month and you're spending $2,500, you are not really being faithful with that $2,000 you have. And so one of the things I have people do, just like as a trainer, if I was starting with a new client, I'd have them get on the scale, take their measurements. So the same thing is with the finances. I have you print out your bank statements, take highlighters on like food, gas, target runs, wherever your money is going and when we're swiping our debit card we think that we know but until you actually look at it on paper and you're like taking the highlighter you forget and you miss stuff
1: it's a very vulnerable place to like show your finances actually have to run through num- you know all the, the times you were swiping you're like did i really buy that oh god again you're overspending on things you don't even want to acknowledge but once you have that those statements printed out and when she you, you know really committed to look it's powerful right you're like do I really need this? Do I really need to spend that money on that? Creating that overview is super, super important to be really honest about it. Until you really face it and look at
0: it, those small things end up being really, really big things. And they are the things that can really diminish your finances. It's a lot of these small things that we just kind of gloss over and don't pay attention. And it's kind of subconscious, you know, Amazon purchases. Starbucks, the five bucks a day food is a huge, huge one. So the first one I have people do is look at everything. And the second big thing that people really love and hate is I make it a requirement to, I call it eat all the things. So you're not allowed to go shopping until you eat what's in your home and in your cabinets, because most people kind of like our closet will go in our closet. It's full of clothes, full of shoes, and we have nothing to wear. And we do the same thing with our food. We open the fridge, open the cabinets. It's full of stuff, but we don't want to eat it. And I'm like, no, you will eat every single thing until it's gone and then go shopping. And when you do this, you become way more mindful of what you buy because you're like, that was so gross. You're not going to buy it again. (laughs) If you bought it, that means that one time you want... If you bought it, it means that one time you wanted to eat it. So I'm like, I'm making you eat it. And then you're way more mindful.
1: Well, and, and, and you learn to be resourceful, too, because every time, like, you know, my boyfriend opens the, the fridge, he's like, oh, we've got nothing, you know, to eat. I'm like, there's five meals in this fridge. What are you talking about? We, we don't need to go shopping for two days or three. I mean, really? And he's just like, well, that's what, you know, that's what you're good at. But I just don't see it. You just whip something up again. And it's delicious. I think it's really important to be so resourceful with these little things in life. And even with the closet, like cleaning out the closet, I've moved. So many times in my life, big moves, small moves overseas, uh, across the country, back and forth. I mean, it's, you know, like I've minimized my closet and I feel like every single piece of clothing has a purpose or it's going out of the door. Well, it's so great because right now in Master Your Money, I'm doing a module
0: on your environment, and one of the modules is on your clothing. And I tell people you need to get rid of anything that doesn't make you feel good. If it doesn't fit, if it's two sizes too big, and you're afraid you're going to gain weight and you're needing again, or it's small and you're just hoping you can lose weight and get into it again, get rid of it because you can always buy a size if you actually lose the weight or gain. And I think we we like punish ourselves for not being in that size anymore and we want to wear it or we're so worried. And it's like, get rid of all that stuff because it just carries an energy that you're constantly just beating yourself up somehow in your mind. And I think that the energy creates more abundance and allows you to have more abundance and it creates more space. This was kind of a principle we had to do in the RV because there's no space for stuff. So we had a rule of if we brought in anything new, we had to get rid of two things. And it didn't have to be a mat. So if I bought a new pair of shoes, I didn't have to get rid of two pairs of shoes. But I'd have to get rid of something, an appliance and a shirt or, but it was just, there wasn't enough to let keep bringing stuff in. We had to clear stuff out. So again, I had to be mindful if I want this, what am I willing to get rid of to make space for it? And if there was nothing I want to get rid of, then I'm like, nope, I, you know, I need to, I need to decide which one I want more. I really think we are rewarded when we take action. Sometimes for so many people, starting over feels like a punishment feel like this isn't fair like COVID-19 happened and you know everything was going great and now this is unfair that I have to start from scratch. A new beginning is actually an opportunity to become somebody new, become something you want to be and so that new beginning can feel jarring, it can feel scary, it can feel like I didn't have a plan for this and at the same time you have this opportunity to create something brand new and open... To the possibilities of things being way more beautiful and amazing than you ever imagined.
1: Danny J. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co. Media.
1: We're back. We're here with Stanley J. We both lived in an RV. It was definitely always a dream to, uh, to go cross-country once in my life. But it was came at a time that we were financially getting sucked dry like you we weren't hit like uh, right away at 2008 but more like 2010 the european clients were starting to book me less we had a couple of houses cars motorcycles very abundant life until you know what they say it's like the difference between someone that has it all and some th- someone that has nothing is literally 3 months because you you know you can go through your savings so quickly when the money's not coming in and and uh and you have a lot of expenses. So you feel like you're losing everything but maybe because you're losing everything you make decisions more from your heart because you're not scared anymore. You're like okay well we're losing it all so what are we going to do now? Let's do something fun and we sold our motorcycles sold our cars and then bought an rv we still didn't have a, a, exactly enough money we had to borrow money to to get the rv in the end. and it was a fantastic like one of the best trips of my life 6 weeks Going from you know one state to the next, so from, we drove from LA to the key, the through Texas to the Keys, Florida, and then up to New York. But at the end of the very trip, and I think this is important, and that's why I'm sharing it. We we've never been without food. We've never been without you know like a roof above our head. Um, and at the very end of the trip, I got a call from my agent in Germany, and they said, Jill, you got booked on this job, and this is the amount of money you're getting. I'm like, what? Like out of nowhere hadn't worked with them in the longest time. And it was the exact amount that we owed the person that lent us the money for the RV, the remaining amount. And I could not believe it. I was over the moon happy. I was like, thank you. Thank you, God, universe. This is a, It was such a powerful feeling as in I have done exactly what I wanted to do. This is a dream come true. So I think it's an important thing to share, like to, you know, when you yeah. make, when there's a new beginning and you can make Something great out of it, but you got to be resourceful and you got to ask yourself, what do I really, really, truly want? Because you could have had that opinion. You could have been
0: like, wow, the economy sucks. And my dream was to be a model and an actress, and this isn't fair to me. And I will say that I felt like that at the beginning. And when we first lost our home in Las Vegas, we ended up moving to Texas and we got this apartment, $600 a month apartment, and it was a one bedroom. So we had been in a you know, three-bedroom home, three-car garage, had three cars and a motorcycle, had, you know, we had all the things. And I remember when we first walked into the apartment, I walked into the empty apartment and I looked around and I was like, wow, this is all we have. And like, I was just in tears and I felt like we had just lost everything. And I was really disgusted and disappointed with myself. And I felt like I was never going to come out of it. And during those two years in that apartment, that was when I started to shift and learn the money stuff and get everything right. And then we chose to move into the RV. And it was such a different scenario. So we moved from, I want to say that apartment was six or seven hundred square feet. And then we moved into an RV that was two or three hundred square feet. And I remember walking to that RV, looking around and going, oh my gosh, we have so much stuff. And I was like, how can you have the same scenario? Walking into 700 square feet saying this is all we have to walking into 300 square feet saying we have so much and it was just simply a perspective shift and realizing that I had everything I needed like you said I always had been cared for I always had roof over my head always had food and I had to learn to trust and trust the universe and trust that you know a new beginning is actually an opportunity to become somebody new become something you want to be I used to love back to school like my favorite time was beginning of school because my mom would let us buy five outfits. So we'd have one new outfit every day of the week. And especially going into a new grade level, right? Like going into middle school and going into high school because then there'd be new people that didn't know me. And I thought I could just recreate myself. I could be somebody new. I could have a new style. Like if I was dressed like a skater last year, I could dress like a preppy this year. I could try on, yeah, I could try on different identities. And so I feel like when we start over, we get to choose a new identity. And that, you know, when my husband and I split. I had the identity of being married and being us and being we. And
1: I was faced with, what do I want? New beginnings can be really, really tough. There can be a lot of tears, can be a lot of resistance. But once you start re- like lifting the resistance and say, Okay, this is really scary, and I don't know where it is going. But I trust this is for the better. Um, show me how. Like, show me why. And you know, if it was a beautiful conversation I had with someone that I would have never met before, or if I had was steered into a new direction um, into my career, and I did start a whole new career. And you know, like when I now talk to my ex, like he doesn't even know this new Jill, right? Because he has never seen me in that role, and he's never seen me speak the way I speak. Because because there's so much room for me now. Like I remember, you know, that my friends even said, "Like you're like a whole new person." I'm like, "Yeah, like," and I'm really like this version of me.
0: I love that. I've, I'm just nodding my head like crazy because I'm just like, "Yes, me too, me too." <laughs> there are so many. There's so many things. I mean, I'm definitely a completely different person. And having those, asking those questions, like, what do I want? Where do I want to go? What kind of things are feel good to me? And for a lot of times, the answer was, "I don't know." I don't know. I was like panicking. And then it was like, let's try this. let you know, like you get curious. And I think where it comes down to us being really upset and the resistance comes from not acknowledging what is. When we are arguing with reality, then we're upset. So the facts are, I'm not married anymore. So instead of sitting there going like, I wish I was, I wish this didn't happen. Well, it did happen. So now I have to decide what am I going to do with that? And so once I got out of the place of wishing it didn't happen, wishing things were different, because They weren't different. I, you know, I have this new reality, same thing with the economy. It happened. I can't go back and just keep being angry that we lost our home and we had to get rid of everything. Now you're going, okay, what is, what's happening now and how can I live with and thrive in what is the new reality? How can I create it to be something that I enjoy versus trying to cling to the past on something I missed because the past is gone.
1: So, so, to so the similarity in our stories really are clearing that energy, getting rid of the junk, right? Uh, really thinking of life as okay. You know, we're not always getting what we want, and we don't always know how things evolve. But if we can trust, I mean, it's really trusting and take responsibility of cleaning up any residue, um, negative energy. If it's jealousy, if it's insecurity, if it's anger, resentment. If we can look it in the eyes and really truly understand why it is and then release that energy. So much room is created and that invites what you want to attract. Because when people say, I want to be listened to more, I want to be loved more, I want to you know have more money. And so like all these things that I want, 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 okay, but what do you give? Do you match that energy? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't mean that you have, you know, like if you want to be listened to, do you listen? Right? Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. want to feel appreciated, do you show your appreciation daily? Yeah. I think the clearing of the energy is so important, even though it's not something you can see, but it's something you can feel.
0: Yeah, you made two really great points. One is the trust. Um, right after I found out about my husband's affair, I have a good friend who's a hypnotherapist. And I was just crying all night. And I, just could, I was so anxious. I couldn't eat for a week. And so I called her up and I said, I just need you to help me do something. And so we did this session. And what came up for me was just three words, trust, just trust. And it was like, what am I trusting? You know, some people have um, faith that they're hanging on to, like, you know, a God that they believe in, some it's the universe, but ultimately too, you have to trust yourself. Like trust, you will be able to figure it out. Trust that something will come along and you'll have new information, that when the information comes, you can make a good decision. And trusting yourself is huge and it's a practice. It can be scary, especially if something um, was out of your control or maybe you felt like, how did I not see this coming? I was blindsided. How can I trust my own gut if I somehow missed this affair happening in front of my face? And I think that trust is a, is a practice, but it's huge. And the second is taking responsibility. Taking responsibility for whatever comes at you. We can all play the victim. We can all choose to be in that victim's place, but then you don't get anywhere out of that. You know, saying that I'm a victim of the circumstances... We can all feel sorry for you, but then what? You know, victims only get so far and some people get stuck in identifying as a victim. And I think for a moment that can feel good, but ultimately, if you want to move on, you have to let go of that victim I- idea and take back power. And by taking back power, you have to take responsibility. Second part of that, which was kind of what you said as well is like becoming the person you want to be. I remember thinking, I don't want to be a bitter divorced woman. If I don't want to be that, I'm going to have to take responsibility and try to be the kind of person I do want to be, which is loving and open and kind and be available to fall in love again, not push everyone away because I, you know, want to say all men are cheaters or all men are terrible because that's not the case. So I think, you know, those three things really can help you move forward, but it does take awareness. And it does take practice. It does
1: take some time. Absolutely. And I think we got a lot of practice in this life <laughs> for that, <laughs> you know, because it's not, not going to be, uh, you know, a first breakup or the first time a <laughs> we without the world without money. We sure I actually want to go back to that one thing that you said when we, we talked a few days ago, you were talking about a time in your life that you worked at SeaWorld. And I think something happened when you were working at SeaWorld and you were doing backflips, or what were you doing?
0: I had just graduated college. And so, you know, with my fresh degree, I ran off and joined the circus. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was a gymnast growing up and I lived in Las Vegas. So there's performers, circus delay, yeah. and, and those kind of things. So I was a gymnastics coach and I had met some people who were involved in all the circus life. So I started doing aerial acrobatics and like some conventions and things in Vegas. Found out about an audition for SeaWorld and I auditioned for an acrobatic job. And I got it. And I was like, you know, my degree was in physical education. I realized I did not want to be a teacher. I loved coaching. And then acrobatics was so fun. And so I thought I'm going to have to take this job. So I got a job in a show called Cirque de la Mer. It's not with the dolphins. It's strictly an acrobatic show, but it is in Mission Bay. And the acrobats, we do this, climb up these poles, and then we jump into the water, we swim to the island, and we do our show like falling into the water there. So that water Is very contaminated, which I did not know until after San Diego, Mission Bay, it's really close to Tijuana, and there's lots of sewage that's been dumped in there. And I guess it's pretty well known that it's very contaminated. And I ended up waking up one morning and I fell out of bed and I just felt like my leg was asleep. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is weird. Went back to bed, and within a few hours, it just became this excruciating pain. So I had a trainer come over. She goes, oh, you have sciatica. I was like, okay, this is painful. It's tough, but. Whatever. Well, long story short, within like twelve hours, I was unable to walk at all and I was in so much pain. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time, he came over and the door was locked and I couldn't go open the door. And so I had to army crawl to the door, like reach up to the handle, and he just saw me on the ground. He's like, Whoa, we gotta take you to the hospital. So went to the hospital, they sent me home, they did x rays, like everything was fine and gave me pain medicine that wasn't touching it. And so he goes, I don't know what to do with you. I'm sending you home to your Parents. So he got me on a plane. We put me in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, got me on a plane. My mom picked me up from the wheelchair, took me straight to the hospital, and I ended up staying there for a month. And what happened when we got there was I found out that I had 104 fever. And they said, Well, if you have a fever that high, that means there's something else going on. Like it's not (laughs) sciatica, that's not going to give you a fever. And so within about three days, I had a doctor come in and she said, Um, Danny, you're not going to be able to be an acrobat anymore. And we're not sure you're going to walk again. And you're lucky to be alive. All I heard was I can't be an acrobat and I couldn't go to work. And I was like, no, you need to call my boss. I'm supposed to perform on Saturday. You know, I was just in such denial. And so what happened was I got a bacterial infection that got in my bloodstream, gram-negative bacteria, which is basically sepsis. And it lodged into my sacroiliac joint and cut off all the motor neurons and nerves to my legs. And so I ended up being in the hospital for over a month. And I thought, well, once the bacteria is gone, I'll be able to walk. And that just was not the case. The damage was done to my legs and to my nerves. And it took about a year or so to learn to walk again. Devastating. Devastating in general. But then when you are, your whole identity, again, is wrapped around being a, an acrobat, a gymnast physical education and you can't physically do anything I was depressed I was suicidal I remember thinking well I wish I just I wish it just did kill me because now what am I good for and I remember having this thought like I don't want to be a handicapped person like mm-hmm. that was where my brain was I'm like I can't live like this I'm not going to be in a wheelchair and what snapped me out of it and this was a was a pretty big smack in the face one of my good friends um was 19 i just got diagnosed with cancer and i was out of the hospital and she came to visit me at my home and i had a walker and i went to open the door and she just looked at me and she was like oh my god danny i'm so sorry i can't believe this happened to you it's so unfair and i remember her saying it's so unfair and i was like wait you know i knew she had cancer and it was terminal like she had liver cancer colon cancer like it was had spread all over her body and she was saying to me that it was unfair. And I was—I remember she left and I felt like such a jerk, like I'm complaining, wishing that I was going to die. And here Kelly is, who is going to die. And she's feeling bad for me. And so I made a conscious shift. I was like, wow, I need to be grateful. And I need to be grateful that I'm alive. And, you know, I had also been really upset because I had to live with my parents because I was like super independent. I moved out on my 18th birthday. Like I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. So of course I was pissed that I was living with my parents. parents, I'm mad. I can't walk. I'm mad. I'm mad at the world. This wasn't my fault. You know, all of that. And I was like, wow, you know, at least I have somewhere to go. I could be home. I could be paralyzed and homeless. And at least I have a chance to live. You know, I can't walk, but at least I have that. And so I started asking my mom to drive me to the gym and I was able to just slightly move my right leg so I could just barely move it so I had the walker I could lean on the walker with my arms move my right leg a little and then just like drag the left so I was kind of able to move that way and I'd sit on the recumbent bike and just just push my legs around and I just knew I didn't want to get my muscles atrophied so I just would do that for hours I wrote affirmations on these little like white cards and I put them up on the front of the bike it would say like I can walk easily and effortlessly I'm healthy and well and Things like that, which, you know, sometimes affirmations feels like a lie because if you saw me, I was not walking easily and effortlessly. But I felt like if I could just get myself to believe that it's possible, then maybe I could get my body to start to move in that direction. And within a year, I was walking without any detectable
1: limp. That's incredible. Incredible. And so did you, did you feel any difference like daily or weekly? Or was it like after a certain amount of time you went like, you know, you made a big leap?
0: No, it was so slow. I felt so slow. I remember, um, you know, the first time I climbed up the stairs. So my parents had a two-story house and I had to stay there. And there was um, a day where I'm like, I'm going to try the stairs. And of course, the railing. So I'm just mostly using my arms and I'm getting up. I got to the top of the stairs and I felt like this immediately, immediate rush of just feeling so proud of myself. Like I did it. And then, you know, I don't know why our brains do this. And then all of a sudden I was mad at myself because I was like, wow, three months ago, I could run or, you know, however many months ago, I could run three miles and now all, it's a big deal to make it up the stairs. But I would say um, probably, you know, between four and six months, things started to progress, you know, easier
1: and I started getting more endurance. I'm so proud of you, you know, of that young Denny <clears throat> that already decided then that she was going to not let it, let it destroy her. Looking back like at the younger Denny, what would you have told her? If you can be
0: open to
1: and trust that there's bigger things. So I would have just told
0: my younger self to like, there's bigger things coming for you. Don't like, this is, don't worry about it. I wouldn't have spent so much time crying about the things I thought I lost because I had so much more to gain that I had no idea that was coming.
1: I love that you say that. So I think that's a beautiful end of this podcast interview. I, I could talk to you for another hour. So I thank you so much, Denny J. You are wonderful. I do feel like, you know, we live a very similar life. I think it's wonderful to connect with you. And I hope the listeners enjoyed the magical feeling that we created here. So thank you again. I still appreciate you.
0: Thank
1: you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Jill. The one thing we cannot find more of is time. Time is precious. And I am so grateful that you chose to spend time listening to my podcast. There's a lot more I'd like to share with you. So don't forget to subscribe to Live Done Better on your favorite podcast app. But stay in touch. If you have a question or a topic you want to hear discussed on the show, shoot me a message on Twitter at underscore life done better. We all deal with a lot in our lives and it's freeing to talk about it openly from my heart to yours. Thanks for listening.
0: From Kirkco Media, Media for your mind